in the Memphis Grizzlies after a disappointing loss to the Washington Wizards the other night. Here to talk some Suns basketball with us as we head toward the Christmas holiday. Our insider from Arizona Sports, Kellen Olson. It's been a while since you've been in studio with us. Kellen, how it, are you, man? It's great to see your lovely faces. Hello. Now, do you really mean that? Of course. Oh, good. Love awesome. you guys. Come on. All right, let's jump right into it. The weirdness at the end of that Wizards game with Monty and DA, it, a lot of people are just writing it off, heat of the moment kind of stuff. But after what went down in Game 7, it, it seems to me that maybe this is sort of more. How are we to interpret it? To me, it was more of a Mikel and DeAndre thing than a DeAndre ah. and, and Monty thing. Uh, Mikel and DeAndre were, I, I mean, to put it for what it was they were kind of bickering at each other during those free throws and then you kind of watch the last position back where to me just trying to interpret what happened da a, a jokester as ever referred to a couple of times where he messed up on a play in his postgame presser and then Dwayne and i asked him after he was done he was like what what play was that and he was like you guys watch the game you guys can judge it for yourself i thought you guys were the experts man come on so we went back and watched and i think that's that was when it happened when he messed up a screen for mikhail and i think mikhail was someone i saw in the first half showing frustration already not towards DA specifically but their team defense and, and his own defense he told me after the game that he was frustrated with himself but uh, Mikel has called DeAndre his best friend a couple of different yep. times they're super right. duper close and look I, I'm not saying that friends don't bicker like that from time to time but just to see Mikel of all people who is like the most cheerful guy you'll ever be around everyone gets to know that a lot more the last couple of years when he's shown a lot more of his charisma and his personality but for him to kind of just like snap there I, I think it was just kind of indicative of the spot the team is in specifically but I mean it can also kind to speak to some of the frustration with DeAndre at the moment right now because he was pointing at the other end talking about the screen and then they were still talking walking to that huddle and then they get back to the huddle and it's still kind of going a bit and you saw Monty point at both of them and I think he was basically saying like to DeAndre like I'm not just showing to you like you both need to stop this like just bickering on the court and that's what it was but of course Monty DeAndre it, right. it, that right. whole thing yeah. which is why it's so bad when they say things and the, the game seven thing happens and then DA says we haven't talked and so this kind of thing can be blown out of proportion, which I think is what's happening right now. But still, on the inverse of that, Mikel and DeAndre kind of having that kind of spat on the court together, it, it doesn't, it's not a good thing. You can sit here and say it happens. It, it does. It happens, of course. It happens. In a, I mean, we saw it happen with the Cardinals season. That's not the best example to give right now well, to make everyone right. feel no, better right. about yeah. it. It happens. Yeah. It happens, and of look, course. Patch but, that up. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, when it happens, it's never a, a good thing. No. You can't act like it's a good thing. And I hate the timing of it specifically for DeAndre Ayton. Because exactly. He was he great. Played, he played a great game. He was the reason they were, they were going to win that game Absolutely. until they, they weren't Absolutely. Win that game. Um, so the timing of it's weird. But let's talk a little bit about Mikel Bridges, who I think has been, uh, he's shown an ability to, to pick up the offense, but it's still, in his fifth year, such an inconsistent part of his game. Sometimes he can't miss. We saw the game in Houston where he just had a historically bad night. He wasn't especially good offensively against Washington. Uh, what are you seeing uh, you know, on the whole game of, of Mikel Bridges, offensively and defensively this year? I think offensively, it's an adjustment for him to really start to become a focal point of the offense. I think we saw that in that game. There was quite a lot run for him in a lot of situations where it's like a side pick and roll and it's just him running the entire action and that's something that he's got to get used to this year and it's something that the Suns quite honestly should have started doing more with him in the last year or two but it's great that they're doing it now and it's an adjustment for him to be a guy where like we can't have you scoring four points seven points in any of these games like he needs to be a guy in double 
digits nearly every single game because I'm not even saying that just in terms of how efficient he is as a player, but I mean, Danny, think about him in fast breaks, on back cuts, on offensive rebounds. Like, he gets like a couple, the same way we talk about DeAndre, and it's like mm-hmm. he gets like six to eight free points a game, essentially. So it's just the other couple you get in there, and then you're in double digits every single night. And I think we hear Charles Barkley kind of make that point all the time. Shaq talks about it with like guys averaging 20 and 20 and how they shoot. It's like you should have five rebounds a quarter every time, no matter what, when you're no that doubt. big. And Mikel's the same kind of way where he just puts himself in so many good positions that he should be a 15, 18 point per game score that he is right now. But I think he could even average 20. Defensively, to be honest, I think he's dropped off a I little too. bit. And I think that that's part of the frustration that he showed. He told me like that that frustration started with himself because he was at blame for some of those. I think when Bradley Beal really got going in that fourth quarter, he was getting stuck on screens, and that's been something that's been a problem for him in the past. But this was a guy who, in my opinion, was Defensive Player of the Year last year. I don't think he's an under consideration for the award right now. now. Is he well. still an all-defense member? Yeah, for sure, but there's just a slight drop-off there, and that's the kind of stuff that matters right now. They have not been a good defensive team for the last six weeks, and I've written about that a couple of times after some of these losses, where if you're this team trying to figure out your new identity offensively with Chris Paul in this current role, that's fine, well, and good when you're a great defensive team, Dan, but when you're not, you're going to lose some basketball games, and we're seeing that right now. Yeah. Um, when you take a look at this roster, it's interesting to me because I've been wondering aloud if there's um, if there's any holds or anything preventing the Suns from making moves during the course of the sale. I heard Gamble yesterday refute that and say that wasn't the case. James Jones kind of kind of agreed with that, although I had a hard time interpreting his answer on this. What do you know about that, and and how urgent do you think it is to get some reinforcements in here soon? You guys will remember Cam Johnson alluded to it. He said it's very. He described it as interesting to go through contract negotiations, especially when the ownership situation is what it is. So, I mean, one of their players straight up referred to it. So I think that's kind of your answer right there, how it has affected a little bit of something. We just don't know to the degree that it has. And that's kind of the interesting thing here is the timing. I think, Vince, you were mentioning the Jazz timeline was six weeks mm-hmm. in terms of that. So you, yeah. you do the math here with the trade deadline, like you're almost there. Do they have to wait until they get the owner in before they can pull the trigger on some trades? As far as right now, I, I, I'm not really, I think they just need to get healthy right now, but they need to make at least one move, and I think honestly two, at least two by the trade deadline, of course, because that's the deadline. I just think that they still have a chance to be a contender, but they need to fix some of these problems we've been talking about for the last two years, and it feels like it can't just be these incremental moves. I think we need to see one that moves the needle. Kyle Kuzma someone we talked about a lot. Like That's the start, right? In yeah. terms of just fixing the offense, giving some injection really off the bench that they've quite honestly been lacking. You saw Landry Shaman have that huge 31-point game with nine threes, and they've needed way more out of that out of him specifically. Campaign is someone they really miss right now for that specific reason. But even with that in mind, there are just some roster holes that they have right now that they need to patch up, and that's that's the great question right now. But they have all the picks, they have all these tradable. You you got you sign guys partially to mid uh, mid level contracts because they're easier to move, and they have three of them right now sitting there that that they can move. Let's say uh, you know, James Jones has not really moved the needle the last two seasons at the deadline with, with anything substantial. It's been two trades for Tory Craig, basically. Um, we the Jay Crowder pieces out there. I think we would expect him to be moved, but maybe for one of those you know not so earth shattering moves. If the Suns are going into the playoffs with largely the same roster as what they have right now, we just we just had this discussion. What do you think the ceiling is for them in the playoffs? Right now, or without a move, or without without a substantial, earth-shattering move, uh, second round. 
Yeah, that's exactly I, what we said. Just say, and that's like more of a compliment to just what the West is right I now. Agree. We're about to see this Memphis team in town, which is not even going to have Desmond Bain, who through 12 games, by the way, averaging 25 points per game. Wow. Right now, he has really exploded. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing at a Defensive Player of the Year level right now. We all know John Morant, the player that he is. So you look at Memphis, you're going to get Denver here in a couple of days, who's at the top of the West right now. We've seen New Orleans already and what they're capable of. I didn't even talk about the Warriors and the Clippers yet. Like, and we've got Dallas with Luka on, on, the, on the radar as well. It's just a gauntlet out there, and, and I just don't think that they're equipped right now. And the biggest thing that I continue to be worried about is just the, the toll that it takes on Devin Booker over the course of the season yes. to kind of carry the offense yes. right now. Yeah. And we've seen that already pop up with yes. two different injuries, which is even more concerning. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, real quickly, Chris Paul, you know, we talked about load management with him, and, and he made it very clear he, he's not that cat, he doesn't like it, but he played the second of a back-to-back and did not look very good. What are your thoughts on, on that issue going forward? I just don't like it. We, we, you've seen, so when you watch like LeBron or Giannis, right? Uh, us as sports fans have seen them play long enough. When we watch LeBron at the start of a first quarter, like, ooh, it's one of those nights, like LeBron's got it going, right? right? Like, we know what that looks like for these guys who we've seen play for 15, 17 years at this point, or even some of the newer guys like Jaw, for example, or Zion or Luca. Chris, we know what it looks like when he's right. And you just watch some of his moves, like his step back specifically, something I watch where it just doesn't look comfortable right. for him right now. And I, I thought that he started to look the most comfortable he has in the last week or so, but then you see him on the second game of back-to-back, and it was back to what we sort of have seen in the past. Uh, he's going to keep playing. I, I don't know like what else to say. And I can say, yeah. hey, hey, maybe he should take yeah. a game or two off, but guess what? He's it doesn't matter what I say, <laughs> no. and this is an irrelevant conversation because he's right. not going to. Now, is it the best idea? Uh, probably not, uh, especially when you factor in next year and the year after and how you want to kind of keep him in the fold, but uh, yeah, it's, he's going to play. He's yeah. going to play. Galen, great stuff as always. Thank, Thank you for uh, stopping in, talking with us. Yeah, Thanks, guys.